Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story from the wonderful dinosaurs of Dino Dell. Written and narrated by Alice Goulding. Do enjoy and sleep well. Ptolemy the Pterodon discovers a comet. Ptolemy the Pterodon was a wise old dinosaur. His nest was perched high up on the cliff face looking out to sea. He often had a snooze in the afternoons, tired out by his morning flight out to sea. There he soared, looking for his breakfast. When he spotted a shoal of flying fish, he would swoop down into the water to catch one in his scoop-like beak. These days he had trouble sleeping at night. Instead he watched the stars twinkling high above him and the moon shining down on the ocean below. His nest was a perfect vantage point. Night after night, he gazed up and saw the patterns there. Some were even dinosaur-shaped. He swore he saw a Tyrannosaurus rex. Tyrone would be excited to know. That gave Ptolemy an idea. Perhaps the young dinosaurs would enjoy stargazing with him one night. They might even spot themselves hidden amongst the stars. The next morning, after he had caught his breakfast, Ptolemy flew over to the school call on Annie the Archaeopteryx. She was rather thrilled at his idea. A lesson on stargazing. How exciting. I can't wait. I will have to bring baby Avilo with me. He's still a little young to be left on his own. What a sweet baby. Of course he must come too. They arranged for the whole class to meet at the top of the cliff on Friday night. There was no school the next day so they would all be able to have a lie-in. They would need the extra sleep if they were staying up late to watch the stars. On Friday night, the class assembled at the top of the cliff. They lit a bonfire to keep warm and to toast marshmallows on sticks. Ptolemy pointed to the night sky and showed Tyrone where he saw an outline of the Tyrannosaurus amongst the stars. Tracy the Triceratops was excited too. I can see lots of triangles, she exclaimed. All the dinosaurs tried to see different shapes and patterns in the stars. They were having a great time telling stories too. I can see Trevor the Trilobite sitting on a log. No, it looks like Mike the Megalosaurus with a short tail. Perhaps it's Mike falling over Trevor's log. They were all laughing and teasing Mike when Ptolemy shouted, Look, a star falling from the sky. Can you see it? All the dinosaurs looked up to where Ptolemy was pointing and watched, scared that the star might land on them. But Ptolemy was not scared. He bounced up and down and clapped his wings excitedly. The star is not falling, it's flying. See the long tail behind it? That's a comet. I've discovered a comet. Everyone cheered. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story about Carlos the Cat and his friends, written by Graham Emmett and narrated by Uncle Roger. Enjoy and sleep well. Carlos and Horace Go Ballooning by Graham Emmett Carlos decided to make one last trip to see Horace before the end of the summer. He arrived finding Horace sitting on the stone wall looking into the next field. Carlos crept up behind Horace and tapped him on his tail, making him jump. Horace looked round to see his friend from London. Why did you do that? asked Horace. 
That makes us even. The last time you came to see me, you went boo. What are you looking at in the field? Well, I could hear noise coming from the harvested field. It wasn't tractors, so I came to investigate. They could see activity in the field. Lorries unloading, long tubes and tabletops being stacked. What was going on? They sat there watching. As the day went on, the pile of tubes became a huge tent open on one side. Hanging from the top tubes were rows of black boxes. Lights? Hmm. Mouse time. Do you fancy a bit of mousing, Carlos? There are hundreds of mice with all the loose grain and straw bales, said Horace, heading for the barn. Carlos had never seen straw bales this big before. They were not just oblong ones, but giant round ones as well. Carlos slept in the barn as he had done in the past, woken by the same cockerel again. He took a walk along the wall to the edge of the field. People were arriving in vans. He went to fetch Horace for him to see what was going on. They jumped down into the field to investigate. There were all manner of stalls being set up. Food, drink, clothing, or some were just junk stalls. I remember seeing a sign at the entrance yesterday. Let's go and see what it says, said Carlos. A hand-painted notice said, Balloon Festival this weekend, including stalls and live entertainment. Well, they would hardly be dead, would they? But why all this for party balloons? asked Carlos. Cars were queuing to get into the field. Others were arriving with box trailers and unloading giant square wicker baskets with frames on top. Next, fans as tall as a man were placed in front of shiny coloured material laid on the ground and then turned on. Very odd, thought Carlos. Let's take a closer look, Horace, said Carlos. People were holding the shiny sheets up so the fans could fill them. And then a loud noise and a gale force of hot air nearly knocked them over. They dashed into one of the baskets on its side, avoiding the thin ropes attached to it, not noticing the flame above them. The next thing they knew, it was upright and people were climbing in. They didn't have time to jump out, so they hid between two round cylinders. And then their weight suddenly increased. Oh, uh, I think that was a mistake, said Carlos. Oh, it's like being in the plane again, said Horace. The loud noise stopped and all was quiet. Carlos came out from his hiding place, much to the surprise of the basket occupants, followed by Horace. Look, what do we have here? A couple of stowaways, said one of them. Looks like they've come along for the ride. Both of them were picked up so they could see over the basket. They weren't the only ones in the sky. There must have been 20 or more, all shapes and sizes. Animals like in the zoo, castles, houses and traditional round ones, even a motorbike. Carlos and Horace had never seen anything like it, but how were they going to get home? 
After drifting over fields, trees and rivers, Carlos could see, as could Horace, the fields ending and a thin strip of yellow before it changed to a greenish-blue colour. At the same time they were getting lighter. The balloon was descending, but where were they going to land? As they got lower they could see the water crashing onto the edge of the yellow strip in a spray of white foam. I hope we don't land in that, said Carlos, and got ready to jump out. He felt someone put a finger under his collar to stop him, as did Horace. It was still too high to jump. To his surprise, they landed softly in a field, just behind the yellow stretch of land. The people holding them let go of them. Jump, said Carlos to Horace. Leaping out of the basket, they scampered off, hiding under some nearby bushes. They were persuaded into the balloon collection van when it arrived with some food and returned to the farm. Carlos said to Horace before he left for home, That's another adventure to add to my Facebook page. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Bedtime Story. It's Wednesday where we hear all about the orange dog named Jaffa. Written by Jackie Richmond and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Let's see what Jaffa is up to this evening, shall we? Enjoy and sleep well. Doggy in the window, the one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that Jaffa, Leo, and Louis meets little big one called Benjamin. Benjamin was born on the 10th of April 2008 and was our second Irish wolfhound. We were all very excited as we had heard that there was going to be another doggy a puppy Irish wolfhound, who would be joining our gang. He would be called Little Big One because he was our second Irish wolfhound to Leah. It was always lovely getting another family member. Oh yeah, the biscuits and treats would come out and we oldies are much quicker at getting them than the puppies, or so we thought. What a fabulous puppy he was and very handsome. He had such a lovely face but looked so scrawny and gangly all legs and feet, and of course that long tail. By looking at him, you would never have imagined that he was going to grow into such a large dog. Something must be wrong somewhere, as this puppy is bigger than me in all ways. Feet, legs, tail, body and head. Maybe he has been given different food to me. Even though I'm older, I will never grow to that height. This gangly puppy was to be called Benjamin. Big name to match him. He was all legs when he appeared in the garden and was always running around everywhere. That's it. The ritual is about to start again as we now have Benjamin who is a young puppy. So each day after our walk we would have our feet dipped in disinfectant. As you know, I hate my feet being touched at the best of times, let alone being dipped in smelly water. But that's what we had to do to safeguard the new puppies that would join us over the years. Leo was so gentle with him and they would sleep together. 
Benjamin would curl up in Leo's legs until he got bigger. Then they would sleep next to one another. This put us little ones out slightly as we slept with Leo. But in the end, we had two large hounds to choose from. It was lovely in the winter as I made sure I got the best spot. I think at times Benjamin forgot how big he was and thought he was one of us. He would try to get in and out of places that were far too small for him. This led to complete chaos, as he would at times try to get into our beds too. One summer, Mum and Dad took me, Louis and Benjamin to Scotland for our summer holiday. Me and Louis were comfy in our beds in the car. Benjamin was tucked up in the corner. He never murmured for the whole journey. Leo had gone to Nan and Grandad's for his holiday too, to allow him to have some quiet time, without us younger dogs being around. We stayed in a house that had green fields and woods all around it. Funny thing though, I heard Mum say when we arrived that there was no fence around the garden. That's it, I think to myself. I will be off to investigate what is around and about. None of us ever did. It was as if there was an invisible fence and we never ventured past it. It was quite amazing. I was amazed at myself, but I did on the odd occasion have a look behind the hedge. One particular day, I could see something moving and have to decide whether to chase it or watch it. Oh my word, it's a red squirrel. Never before had I seen a red squirrel, so I watched it eating the nuts and seeds. I have grey squirrels in my garden at home. One evening in the house, I could hear paper being ripped to pieces. I thought it must be for a fire, but then remembered we don't have a fire. Then I thought it must be Louis, but no, it was Benjamin. He had completely ripped the newspaper into shreds and you could not see the floor. In fact, you could not see anywhere for shreds of paper. He looked at me as if to say, well, I did it. Strangest thing of all, he never did anything like that again. I'm feeling a little tired and may need to have a dog nap. I hope you've enjoyed my story. Until the next time, good night, children. The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that dog is for sale. Edited by Sue Rodwell Smith. Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello, children, and welcome to a story at bedtime. This evening's story is all about a little boy called Johnny and is written by John Mountford and narrated by Julie Stark and myself, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Johnny is accident-prone and always getting into trouble. Shall we see what he's up to this evening? Johnny goes to the kissing seat. Hello, I'm Johnny. I'm bright and bonny. I come top in all my tests. I'm not boring. I love exploring, especially castles. They're the best. But there is something I must tell you. It's embarrassing, I confess. I've always been a little clumsy, and that makes me make lots of mess. Never mind, Johnny. Can we come with you? Where will you explore today? To see my girlfriend. Let's go together. I'm so in love. She makes my day. So Johnny sets off to the card shop. A Valentine's card is what he needs, with lots of hearts and kisses on top, even though it's still only January. 
Oh, look, how sweet. A little boy. Will you be wanting a nice card? A birthday greeting gives you great joy. To find the right one won't be hard. Oh, miss, I need a valentine for my girlfriend who I just met. Have you a pen so I can sign and write a loving epithet? Oh, gosh, how cute. You make me cry. But valentines are not here yet. Come back next week for another try. They only come in once a year. But I must have a card today. This one has hearts all over, see? But that card says anniversary. I'll cross that out and write neatly. Please be my Valentine, Daisy. For that's her name, just like the flower. Thanks for the pen. This is easy. He writes and ink spurts in the shower. It's not my fault. I didn't mean to. I promise there was no harm meant. I am always very gentle. It was just an accident. Oh no, my dress and arms and face. What do I look like? I mustn't be seen. I'm sorry, but let me give advice. You could pretend it's Halloween. You horrid little kid. Get out of here and don't come back. And Johnny runs clutching pen lid. The ink is permanent and black. Now, Johnny's arranged to meet Daisy upon a lover's kissing seat that Valentines can use for free whenever they fancy an amorous treat. But without a card, some flowers he needs to show that he loves her dearly so. He borrows a bunch laying down on some weeds. If he puts them in water, they might still grow. The seat's in the churchyard. Oh, joy, there she is. His heart goes a flutter as Daisy turns round. He takes his place near her. They have their first kiss. As clunk, Church doors open and wedding bells sound. Oh, look, there's the bride. That'll be me one day. With you by my side at the altar, we'll say, Do you take this husband? And I'll say, I do. And you, my sweet Johnny, had better say it too. Of course I will, Daisy, for this life is ours, to spend both together for eternity. And with that, he hands her the bunch of bright flowers. Oh, Johnny, they say rest in peace, R.I.P. It's not my fault. I didn't mean to. I promise there was no harm meant. I am always very gentle. It was just an accident. <laughs> Don't you worry. I found it quite fun. I got you a Valentine's card that went wrong. Oh, that's really sweet. Yes, but I had to run because the card lady's sense of humour was all gone. Oh, Johnny, you make such a mess. Now let's go. See the bride all dressed up in her wedding display. They hold hands and walk to the church in the snow, the prettiest scene on a cold winter's day. The bride spots the couple and thinks they look sweet. Come over, she calls, and be in our photo. So Johnny and Daisy, their hearts miss a beat as they stand in between the fair bride and her bow. Click flash goes the camera, the bride beams with glee. She hugs the two children and asks them their names. Then as she walks off, she feels cold suddenly. Her dress stays behind. Johnny stood on her train. It's not my fault. I didn't mean to. I promise there was no harm meant. I am always very gentle. It was just an accident. At home that night, Johnny dreams of adventures, exploring and the day he has spent. For Johnny is always very gentle. 
He has just lots of accidents. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Friday's Bedtime Story. Here is another story about the chimps Milo and his sister Macy and all the inhabitants of Magnolia Avenue. Written by Becca Cook and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Do enjoy! The Queen's Baton Relay Comes to the Rainforest Magnolia Avenue was bustling with excitement despite the rainforest showers. Flags decorated the treehouses and colourful bunting hung along the tree branches. The Commonwealth Games, a celebration involving sporting competitions, started in Birmingham in four months' time. The traditional Queen's Baton Relay was making its way around the 72 nations of the Commonwealth. The baton was being carried across Europe, Asia, Oceania, the Caribbean, Africa and the Americas. Milo the monkey and his best friend Spider Monkey Flint had been chosen to carry the baton through the rainforest as part of this historic journey. Everyone had voted for them because of their inspirational friendship. Together they helped solve problems and celebrated each other's success and individuality, just what a good friendship should be. Now carrying the baton was very important, as hidden inside was the Queen's message. The baton must arrive safely in London, so the Queen can read aloud her message to everyone who opens the games. The rainforest was the 46th stop along the world race. Milo and Flint had received their running route and had been training with the help of Coach Gorilla Ned. Milo's mother Flo made them nutritious meals and Diva the Hippo took them to the hot pools. Ah, sighed Milo as the hot water soothed his aching muscles. Suddenly there was an almighty splash. Room for one more? grinned Diva as she joined them. Milo opened one eye. A streak of light came through the bedroom window as the sun began to rise in the sky. Milo jumped out of his hammock, awakening his sister Macy. Yippee! The special day had arrived. His father Jared chuckled as Milo smelt the pancakes and ran downstairs for breakfast. Zorro the dog greeted him, wagging his tail in excitement. After a family breakfast, Milo changed into his running shorts and bright Commonwealth Games t-shirt. Swinging down the treehouse, Milo could hear Diva the hippo guiding Flint and his family to another hippo, who would carry them on to the runway track, where the plane was due to arrive from the Caribbean. Milo gave them a wave as neighbours were busily getting ready to leave and find good viewing spots along the running route. 
Macy and her school friends had written a song and created a dance to greet the Caribbean baton bearer. Milo and his family clung onto Diva's saddle as she broke into a fast run. Below the tree canopy, brightly coloured birds flew above showing the hippo's way to go. Entering a large clearing in the jungle, a dirt track spread out before them. The jungle was alive with the chatter of monkeys, the trumpet of elephants and the bellow of giraffes. They had all gathered to see Milo and Flint carry the baton. Drums were beating as excitement grew. Suddenly an engine sound could be heard. Everyone looked up towards the sky. Cheers erupted as the plane came into sight, descended and landed on the dirt track. The door opened and out stepped the baton bearers smiling and waving at the crowd. Macy and her friends sang and danced. Milo and Flint ran over, grabbing the baton with one hand each. Together they ran through the jungle towards the waterfalls. Crowds waited eagerly along the route and cheers roared when Milo and Flint ran by. Milo and Flint waved back, grinning with pride. Past the waterfalls and along the riverbeds, they ran as dolphins jumped out of the water doing tricks. Soon the end was in sight as Milo and Flint could see Orion the toucan spreading his wings getting ready. As they reached Orion, they held out the baton and Orion curled his toes around it. Flying into the air, Orion commenced his journey carrying the baton to the next country. The following day, Flo and Jared opened the newspaper to find Milo and Flint smiling back at them. This was definitely a day to remember. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Corner. You are about to hear another children's poem from Jumping Jewels' Julie Stevens. Do enjoy. Slow Motion Does a snail worry as it moves incredibly slow from stone to rain-soaked mud whilst heaving its shell? Does a sloth have any doubts? as it sleeps in high treetops, daring to move at all, smiling as it hangs. Does fast ever cross their mind? Is quick a word to find? I don't think they know another speed but slow. Does a seahorse feel concerned about standing upright for so long, swimming so poorly, it will never win. Snail, sloth, tortoise, slug, koala, manatee, seahorse, me. So why do I worry about not being fast? Against all these animals, I will never be last. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Corner was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.